0: just kind of finding patterns in chaos that um, that's always been interesting for me. I gravitate toward it and I really enjoy designing kind of new solutions, new products, processes, and then continuing to experiment and tinker to make things better. Um, it's not that there's not good enough, but it could always be improved. And there's ways, uh, you know, ideas uh, that you can apply to, to make things better.
1: I'm Tracy Lovejoy.
0: And I'm Shannon
2: Lucas.
1: We're the co-CEOs of Catalyst Constellations, which is dedicated to catalyzing innate change makers to accelerate positive change. This is our podcast, Move Fast, Break Shit, Burnout, where we highlight catalysts that are creating amazing change in the world. In this season of the podcast, we're diving deep into the skills that make catalysts successful. I am very, very excited to be learning from one such catalyst today, Robin Fleming, who is a technology executive, board member, investor, consultant, advisor, and fractional CXO. She does all the things. She has over 30 years of management experience, including 11 years in executive leadership roles, delivering B2B SaaS and mobile applications for Fortune 100 enterprises for many of the world's leading brands. In those years, she has served in multiple executive roles, including CEO, CTO, CPO, President, SVP of Technology, VP, and GM roles, including in well-known public companies, including Match.com, Angie's List, and Teradata. Robin also co-founded and launched a B2B startup, Anvil, in partnership with Cummins and High Alpha Venture Studio. Anvil's award-winning B2B SaaS platform for the deskless workforce provides connected worker applications, data insights, and messaging that help organizations detect issues early and drive operational improvements. And she's not done yet. Today, she has launched her own consulting practice, Evolve Tech, where she provides advisory and fractional services to business leaders, startup founders, CEOs, corporate innovation teams, VCs, and startup studios, which we were just starting to hear about and I'm excited to hear more. You can find Robin's thought leadership on platforms such as Forbes, Inc., Recode, Industry Today, CIO Review, and here on our podcast. So thank you for being with us today, Robin. Absolutely,
0: excited to be be here and talk with you guys today. Well, thank you, us as well.
1: And we'd love to start off by hearing, how is it that you relate to the concept of Catalyst?
0: So in, in actually several ways, um, I think there's definitely always been a drive uh, to make things better that, that started probably from the very early points uh, in my career. I definitely am biased toward action. <laughs> um, not very patient about not taking action and doing things. I uh, really want to roll up sleeves and and make change really uh, really quickly. Um, uh, there's kind of the whole concept around ideas and ideas that that flow and uh, you know, the fact that I feel like sometimes other folks aren't quite on board with me um, that's definitely something that really resonates with me. Um, you know, uh, and then also the cycle of burnout, you know, just really rolling up sleeves, diving in, taking all that action, uh, coming up with all these ideas, uh, for me has, has definitely, uh, tended to, to move me toward burnout over, over a period of time, pretty much everywhere I've been. So a hundred percent of that, uh, really all resonates, uh, for me um i think the other piece would be just kind of finding patterns in chaos that um that's always been interesting for me i gravitate toward it and i really enjoy designing kind of new solutions new products processes and then continuing to experiment and tinker to make things better um it's not that there's not good enough, but it could always be improved. And there's ways, uh, you know, ideas uh, that you can apply to to make things better. Uh, so really kind of those are the the kind of the core areas that really resonate for me. Um, and, and so when I think about myself as a catalyst, uh, those are kind of those are kind of the key things for me.
1: Thank you. And I particularly like the twinkle in your eye when you talk about uh, tinkering. <laughs> Yes. Like "Mm, the tinkering to be better. Yes. Very drawn to that. All right. As you know, this season of the podcast is dedicated to skill development. And so I would love to have you share with us what are one or two essential skills that you feel have really made you successful as a catalyst and, you know, kind of, we can talk about the stories. Let's kind of get, get into it.
0: Yeah, for sure. I think, um, you know, a little bit of background. So for most of my career, I've gone into roles where change was needed, fortunately. So that was really usually a good fit for me and and change was expected and I was brought in to really kind of break glass and and drive that change. So that, that was really good for me. Um, And in some cases, things were, uh, you know, seriously sideways, you know, Uh, tech platforms weren't scaling or we were re-architecting a platform or, uh, you know, perhaps business wasn't what we needed it to be because of platform issues. So all of that really kind of played, I think, really well into my skill sets. But the skills that I had to really um, apply and perfect would be truly learning on the fly. Uh, So there were several times where, you know, I was asked to go, run a department, set up an apartment, and in many cases, it's it's things that I had never done before, uh, which mean, meant I had to research, I had to learn a new functional area that required not only business knowledge, but technical skills, and I didn't have a lot of that. So uh, from one aspect, it was really daunting, and the other, it was like, ooh, that's really exciting, Um I didn't really have a lot of time to sit back and become the expert that I probably needed to become to take those responsibilities on to run that department to to take on that product line. But I really had to roll with it um, and acquire that knowledge, use my intuition, but put those actions in place ASAP. And one example was uh, a company Um, asked me to come really kind of run their cloud department. And so we had, uh, you know, B2B products. Um, There was one product that was already a SaaS product, one that wasn't. We supported both of those in our own custom cloud environment. And I was asked to step in and run that organization. And I had not done that before. Um, And fortunately for me, you know, the, the team that was there Uh, knew that there was going to be new leadership coming in and they actually recruited me directly to come run that team. They'd seen me in action in other areas of the business and knew that I had a bias toward action and making change. So um, this was a situation where, you know, our our platform in some cases was a little brittle. So we had some outages and you had to talk to customers and uh, there were live in the moment decisions Uh, that I had to make or help others make that would determine whether the platform would be up or down. And I didn't always choose correctly. I chose correctly a lot of the times. And I think that learning on the fly uh, really was important. And and I had to learn from the people as well. So it was trust the judgment, take the information, and then use a fair amount of intuition on what was the right direction based based on the data that I had. So that that is one uh, one area with that kind of learning on the fly and applying that that knowledge, and then I think that dovetails into um, the being able to be fearless in making decisions. So in in a lot of cases, you know, uh, I go back to kind of running this cloud organization. Um, this was this was pre Amazon, so a lot of this was you know hands on work. Uh, running the infrastructure, updating the infrastructure, um, making sure things were hardened and good processes were were in place. And, and we didn't necessarily have all of that all the time, nor do we have big teams. So uh, just, again, being fearless about making a decision and know that my decision might mean that, you know, Parts of the platform were down or an outage was going to be longer than we intended. Those were some, uh, it was nerve wracking in a lot of ways, but also uh, energizing to be able to take that information and just make a decision and move forward and then iterate from that point forward. So those are kind of two areas which I, I do think uh, kind of dovetailed together in the situations that I that I was in. There's
1: such, uh, my brain is going a lot of directions so I'm excited <laughs> for the follow-ups. Uh, one of them is that we see pretty high incidence of imposter syndrome, of course, across the globe and anyone, but for Catalyst in particular, because of something you're talking about is that we often tend to be in an area that's new to us mm-hmm. because the problem space is there, the challenge is there, the need for change is there. And we're brought in as the person who can create the change, not necessarily as the expert in the area. Uh, And so when that happens, imposter syndrome can creep up with regularity because we're regularly tackling something new rather than getting really deep in our career in one area. Has this been true for you? And if so, how do you manage the fact that others might be thinking, Robin isn't an expert in this area that she's taking over. Right. What advice do you have for folks in the reality of what happens when we're learning on the fly, when we're making decisions fearlessly, even if we don't have, we're totally aware we don't have all the information?
0: I think um that's certainly that's certainly, I think, a concern and something that that you face in these types of roles. Um I think you just acknowledge it. And that's what I've done. I I would never claim to be the expert and would be transparent about I'm not the expert. I need the data. Here's the questions I need to ask. I need to understand, am I asking all of the right questions? Do we have enough data? Um, Are there other areas we need to look at to, to research or to, uh, support the decisions we're making. And ultimately, it kind of came down to, um, I definitely would say there were times where I felt, you know, that kind of that imposter syndrome, but I didn't have time to deal with it. You know, yeah. I, I really had to, to like put it aside, be transparent with the team, and even with leaders about what I did and didn't know, um, fully capable of going and finding out information fully capable of figuring out what are the right questions, perhaps not in solo, but with the help of of experts and team and even sometimes outside experts. So um I think it's really important to be just to be honest with yourself about what you're feeling, but then be transparent with a team as well. Um you know people smell blood, you know, and you when you're not confident. And I think you can Um, be clear about you don't have all the answers, but still be confident about making a decision and owning decisions that you make um, and owning the ramifications of the decisions. That's probably most important. Um, And, you know, certainly in the situations that I've been, been in on the technology front, um, I was fully aware and fully transparent with the team on, if this does not go well, it's on me. I, I will I will take full responsibility for it. Um, and, you know, there were times where people were like, I don't think you're making the right decision. And I'm like, I'm good with that. Uh, I've kind of weighed it out. And I think this is the direction we need to go in. Um, and sometimes that worked out well and sometimes it didn't. But again, I think taking responsibility for that um, just kind of uh, is 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 required.
1: There's things that I'm hearing that I've never thought of in this way before and I'm so grateful. Uh there's you know well-known researcher and, and author Brené Brown and she does work on mm-hmm. vulnerability and shame and one of the things that's always stuck with me in her work is she talks about shame as being something that hides in the darkness yes. and that it becomes it feels really big in our body when we're hiding it but then once you kind of open it into the light And people are like, that's not a big deal. All of a sudden the shame dissipates into the smallness that it is. And it's part of what I'm hearing is your process with imposter syndrome of if you're really open with, I don't know this, I'm not an expert in this, Mm -hmm. then other people are like, oh, okay. She's brought in for other reasons. And so the thing that can feel so big inside of us, that imposter syndrome can just be like, oh, that didn't end the world that I acknowledge that I don't know this thing, or that's not my expertise, mm-hmm. but really my job is here to do this. The other thing I'm hearing, which is so powerful is it's not all on you, Right. that you have to come in. And once you've acknowledged, this, lean on the, the uh, wisdom, experience, expertise of the team, of your leadership um, to help you drive the decisions you're making.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Com- completely agree with you on those points. And I would say the thing that I have found as well is once you become transparent, I-, I would say 99% of the time, there are folks who want you to learn and who want to explain things to you and are willing to get up to the whiteboard and draw out the technical diagram and walk through an area where you maybe you're not as confident. Um and, and, and that's extraordinarily powerful uh, to, to build those relationships and to build that trust. Um, and, I, and I've have spent a lot of time learning new things that would help inform those decisions. And, and you'll also find that those individuals want you to know they want you to, they want you to make good decisions. They, they want to grow the company, they want to grow their careers. So that creates uh, some really powerful alliances as well.
1: It, it it just flips so much of imposter syndrome on its head when you're like, don't give it the power, right? And invite others in their expertise, and so that they aren't sitting there in like the quiet, like, oh, what is she doing? She'll fail. But if you're like, I don't know, you're the expert. Please help me. So you're tapping them, and it's growing them. It's building relationship. There's just so much goodness that just like admit you don't know. It's yes, so it's exactly. just so it's so simple and great. I'm curious, you know, you've mentioned that sometimes the decisions went well, sometimes they didn't. Taking responsibility is huge. How did it work in terms of support of your leadership, right? This is something else we hear a a lot about working with and studying catalysts that that Mm -hmm. that can sour. So how did management support you? Were there any tips and tricks you learned along the way in that area?
0: Again, I think it kind of comes back to... one being transparent but but there's a second piece to this that I would always tell anyone who ever works with me and something that I've tried to apply uh upstream to my leadership and um I I never I never really want to be surprised. There are some things that are inevitable in terms of surprises in business, but if the if the if the data points are there, if there is indicators that we're just not paying attention to, I don't have a lot of tolerance for that. I am very much, tell me what you're seeing. Tell me if things are not looking right. Tell me the data points. Tell me, tell me what your summary is on what you think is going to happen. And and an example of that would be kind of the the worst thing I ever want to have happen is find out a customer's unhappy or find out that an implementation didn't go well, or there's a quality issue that, you know, escaped and got out into the wild and is, is impacting customers in a negative way. Chances are there are people that knew about that early. And so I want to know about that. And I've always viewed... Um, the golden rule is very important to me. It was kind of instilled in me when I was six years old, um, and that's do unto others as you would have them do unto you. I view my leadership wants that same information. So when I see things that are um, that are potential risk, uh, that are you know maybe th- maybe early indicators of change that needs to be made, I want to let my leadership know about that. And not, um, not being overzealous about it or making a big deal when it's really not, but but having the conversation and spelling out the supporting data points around why something might be getting sideways, why change might be needed, I think that's super important to have those conversations early and often. And, and I've found that the leaders that I've worked with really appreciated that in In value that, and would often come back to me and say, "Hey, what are you seeing in, in this area? I'm hearing that, or I'm seeing some things here. Could you go take a look?
1: there's There's a kind of a creep that we'll hear happen that I'm curious how you avoid or or maybe you've experienced it in this vein of catalysts will begin, they maybe even brought in as the change maker. But often the organization or the leadership didn't really understand what the consequences of the change will be. And mm-hmm. so while things begin to shift, there can be a loss of support that may not even be the person, but is you know the change, but ends up coming onto the person. And so there can be this slow changing of the um, uh, relationship that even the, the catalyst isn't sure at first. And so gaslighting is something that we begin to experience. I'm wondering if we're hearing the antidote to that is information all the time, information all the time, information all the time, or if you have experienced that and sometimes it's
0: inevitable. Yeah, I, certainly I've experienced it. Um, okay, I tend I tend to be one who I, I won't say I ignore it, but again, I'll take take that and put it in a box and fight it with data. Um, data data is so valuable and uh, it, it can't be conjured data. it de- it needs to be real. It needs to be legitimate. It needs to be uh substantial and substantiated. Uh, so I've, I've I've certainly experienced that in the past where I where I was uh, there was a situation where I was brought in to move the needle on quality. This was years ago. And there was a prescribed way where the company, Uh, manage their quality process. And uh, it was a very structured way to manage the quality process and and they desired to change, but they really didn't Um, because ultimately they, they really wanted status quo. Um, And so I really had to take data around quality, around customer feedback um, and in, in data during the development of software to really educate folks on what really was happening. And that was a very long journey. Um, and there was a lot of pushback uh, from a number of folks who wanted status quo. They didn't really want the change, they just wanted their products to ship. Um, and so that was definitely a scenario where, um, you know, I was kind of the enemy in a lot of ways. And there was a lot of FUD around that but I kept focusing on the data and, and the data told the story and I stuck with the data and uh, continued to point to the data and it, it took the subjectivity out of it in in a lot of ways.
1: That's really interesting. Thank you for, for, yeah. for letting us bridge there. All right, as I wrap up our part of the session, I'd love to hear what are the biggest challenges that you're experiencing as a catalyst leader today?
0: I think um, one that, is kind of the thing that I continue to work on is making sure that I explain better, more, and uh, (laughs) that I don't share too much to sit. Uh, I know it is. It's definitely, um, it's probably my Achilles heel. Uh, I get really excited. Got a lot of ideas kind of see where I want to go um, I don't necessarily do a great job of bringing people along with me all of the time. So I, I really have to work on that, work on timing, work on content, <clears throat> work on how I present it, uh, reiterating it. Uh, so that's kind of, a, I think, a lifelong journey for me of, of trying to get better and better at that. And I've definitely improved over the years, but uh, I'm, I'm certainly uh, still a work in progress on that front.
1: It's always nice to hear that there's no shame la that like the rest <laughs> of us haven't somehow just missed the train to perfection as a catalyst. So thank you for acknowledging that, that some of these things that even though they're skills and strengths you've grown yet, yeah, there's, there's still opportunity and growth edges.
2: And the laughter is just the painful commiseration, right? It's
0: like, <laughs> oh yes. Yep. Yeah. We know it's- that pain. Yeah, I think for me, it's uh, just because I understand it, and it's in my head, and I get it It doesn't mean that I've necessarily explained it enough, uh, built enough materials to explain it or or been clear enough. And so it's um, learned that over the years and continue to to work on uh, getting better at that. Well, thank you so much. I've so enjoyed our conversation.
1: I'm going to hand you over to Shannon for rapid fire. Oh, I just
2: wanted to ask you so many more questions, but let's give (laughs) it to these. Okay. One thing that you do to be ready for a big meeting.
0: Um, Review materials, anything that I need to review ahead of time. I always rehearse and there's different levels of rehearsing. So it may be that if I'm presenting, I'm really going to walk through the material I'm presenting make notes, think about how I'm going to position it, Uh, prep the day before and then the morning of as well. Again,
2: it's so good to hear like even at your level that that's the skill, one of the skills that we need to take with us to practice. I love that. All right. What's your favorite way to spend a free day?
0: Um, Well, it used to be doing all errands and things. I've pivoted towards self-care. So for me, that means being outside, you know, if it's pretty weather, I want to be outside, it's working out. It's certainly a spa day is lovely, uh, a walk or hike and then uh, photography. i'm I'm uh, love photography and uh, kind of spend my extra hours outside doing that. That's awesome. Are they posted somewhere that we can share with the listeners? They are not. I, I need to do that. I've, I've got a new macro lens recently and I've got some amazing photographs that show like, a, a bee and you, you can see the grains of pollen so i'm i i should get those uh, shared out someplace us, i'll let you keep know us keep us posted keep us posted absolutely
2: um who's your favorite who's your favorite famous catalyst dead or alive and why uh
0: mark cuban uh he is change maker disruptor i am super excited about what he's doing with uh cost plus drugs which there is goes. costplusdrugs.com. Yeah. Uh, to make drugs affordable and, you know, the, the, the cost of the drugs, you know, they have a very small markup. There's some shipping fees and it's less expensive than most healthcare co So I tell everybody about it. Personally, I've saved, I don't take a lot of medicines, but I save about 93% of wow. what I would normally pay. So I'm super excited about that. And then I heard him speak in Dallas a couple of weeks ago and he's not done yet. Uh, so he's going to go after kind of uh, additional healthcare areas to try to make healthcare accessible and, and affordable for everyone. So that's a that's a particular uh, uh, interest area for me. Is I feel like we know more about our cars than we know about our bodies, yeah. and that's something that I've, i I'm really passionate about uh, wanting to change.
2: Great, great example. Do you have a call to action for our
0: listeners? I would say, um, you know, we only get to do this thing once and it's be kind to yourself. Um, you know, I've gone through a lot of successes. I've gone through a lot of failures, throw myself into work and gone through kind of those burnout periods that could be particularly rough. And so it's a work in progress for me, but, uh, I, I would say, be kinder, be more patient with yourself, um, and really Uh, recognize or get better at recognizing when you need a break so that you can recharge. Thank you so much. That is something
2: that Tracy and I are so deeply committed to Catalyst being able to understand. So thank you for sharing that. Yeah, for sure. Thanks for joining us, Robin. And to our listeners, thank you so much for listening. If you'd like to learn more about how to accelerate positive change, go to our website at catalystconstellations.com. And be sure to check out our book, Move Fast, Break Ship Burnout. If
1: you have other catalysts in your life, hit the share share button and send a link their
2: way. Thanks again, Robin.